Did you know that right now there's a group of people running the business of their dreams? They are respected leaders in their field, working with clients they love and serving them profitably. Now, are they famous? Depends on who you ask. They're not signing autographs at the grocery store or taking selfies every five minutes. They're not trying to be everywhere on social media. Yet when they show up at trade events and conferences, they are recognized and sought after. They're the ones everyone else looks up to. They're the next generation of thought leaders in their space. So what's their secret? Well, they've become famously influential to the right people, and so can you. Today, we'll dig into the story of one of these leaders and deconstruct how they became micro-famous. You won't just come away inspired, you'll come away with a new strategy and a new way of thinking. So while your competition is scattered, chaotic, and chasing every shiny object, you can move forward with confidence and clarity. I'm your host, Matt Johnson, agency founder and author of Microfamous. And if you're ready to become famously influential to the right people, let's get started. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another great conversation here on Microfamous. Uh, my guest today is Jeff Large. He is a fellow agency founder of Come Alive Creative. He is a podcast producer as well as a host of multiple shows, including the Jeff Large podcast and Podcast Bites. And we talk about today, really go deep into what are the metrics, what are the KPIs that are actually important and why downloads actually might be the least important uh, kind of KPI or metric to measure. You know, when you're going after a specific goal for your podcast, you have to understand what the goal is. And the only metrics that are actually worth keeping track of are the ones that lead you to the goal you have in mind. And a lot of times just the pure download numbers will lead you away from your clear and compelling idea for the podcast and building an audience of people who actually do what you want them to do so that you actually hit the real goal for why you launched the podcast in the first place. And so this is a great opportunity. We go kind of inside baseball, so to speak, on podcasting. Uh, Jeff and I have a very similar background. We're both musicians. We're both in audio production at one point. We both built websites at one point. And we each looked at the landscape of all the different things that we could do in marketing and realized that the best way that we could make an impact was to produce podcasts for other folks. And so we ended up working in kind of different niches, but we both do very, very similar things and have learned a lot of the same lessons. And so that's, I think, what you'll see come through is we ended up with just by experimentation and trying to get people results, we ended up coming to uh, a lot of the very same beliefs about podcasting, about stats and metrics and KPIs, about what the goals are and about what people should be doing to use podcasting to actually deliver on those goals. So fantastic conversation. Super excited for you to hear it. Let's get into it. This is Jeff Large on Microfamous. Jeff, officially welcome to the show. Thank you. <laughs> I'm super excited for you to be here. And uh, for once, we have a guest whose microphone sounds as good or better than I do, which is always the fun part of interviewing fellow podcasters. So we've got a bunch of stuff to get into. We'll talk about tactics and KPIs and all kinds of, uh, all kinds of fun stuff. So uh, just because I kind of gave your, your background and credentials and stuff like that in the intro, but when you run into somebody, especially like one of your ideal clients, you know, somebody that's a CMO or, or working inside of a marketing team, what do you tell them that you do? I tell them we produce podcasts. I mean, it, it really kind of goes around their goals and what they need. I mean, it sort of depends on is even if they're interested, obviously your, your introduction typically fluxes based on who you're talking to and what they might need. Yeah. Um, but if somebody was coming to us and I knew they wanted help at the top, top levels, we're producing podcasts, goal oriented, results driven. And then from there, usually asking questions to figure out what it is they actually need to know. 
Okay. And that's, that's part of what I want to get into today with you is that the, that goal driven results driven, what does that actually mean? Um, so we, we kind of run in different circles and serve a different type of client, but we do the same thing. And you and I are looking at the same stats and, uh, and probably have similar, you know, strategic approaches to how you grow a podcast, which we'll get into, but, um, let's look at the, the KPIs. Like what are, what are the things that you guys have found is important you know, what do you, what, what sorts of KPIs do you relate back to the client so that they know if their podcast is performing well? Yeah, I'm going to, I'll have to back up one step um, in order to answer this properly. Cause I think one of the things that we bypass often is the goal. Like what is the goal to begin with? Yeah. And at the beginning of the year, we broke down um, pretty much every proposal we've ever written for this particular space and identified basically six different goals. And we can get into them if it would be helpful. But based on those, then you start to look at those KPIs. It could be anything from, again, each one of these things should be taken with a grain of salt, but it could be things like um, obvious ones would be downloads, could be completion rates, could be subscriber count, could be other things that tend to be a little more like secondary or even tertiary to the podcast itself. Like if you send out an email, how many people are clicking through to go listen? Mm -hmm. If you are using this as a networking method, how many people are you getting access to that you didn't before? How many leads can you track back directly because of the podcast, because of a call to action you put out there, or because somebody referenced it when they signed up for your course or your training or whatever it is. So there's a lot of different things you can track. And for me, they're almost irrelevant unless I have a context to decide which of those KPIs are important to begin with. Yeah, that is an interesting thing because, you know, in, in the world that I run in, for the most part, the end goal is ideal clients. You know, the I think the space when you get into the more of the corporate space, they can have different different goals. You know, that that could just be something as simple as it's an e-commerce company, so their metric is is way smaller ticket sales, or it could be, uh, you know, software, you know, new new trial, you know, new uptakes on their their free trial or something like that. And um, so, understanding the context is really really important is the first step, but unfortunately not everybody agrees. And even when you're working with teams, they can disagree on what that priority is. And that's, uh, that's, that's a hard thing to kind of sort out. So it's gotta be agreed on upfront, yeah. like what that yeah. actual yeah. goal so that's is. Like honestly, the first question I ask, even yeah. before, like, as they're a prospect is what is your goal? Because yeah. there's certain goals, like I won't even go after, cause I just don't think our agencies fit to go, go that route. Like one that we typically stay away from is if somebody's primary driver is like an additional source of revenue, like exclusively from an ad based standpoint, yep. that's not normally the route. I don't really like working on those because it creates a context of like, you have to, at a minimum, you have to have so many subscribers or so many listeners. And mm -hmm. it normally, at least with a lot of the people that I've encountered, not everybody's willing to do what is necessary in order to create like a really gangbuster show. I mean, it's a ton of resources. It's a ton of time to narrate these things. And I mean, now we're getting kind of into show types if you're talking interview versus a more story driven, like kind of serial or NPRS type show, or even a hybrid where it's kind of that mix of in between where it's more than just a one-on-one -on -one interview, but it's yeah. not as robust as like custom sound design and stuff. And so each one of those things uh, plays, plays a factor as well, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. hundred percent. I, I don't play in that space either. If somebody comes to me and their first question is how quickly can I monetize the podcast? That's a massive red flag. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Cause I'm, I'm looking probably for the same thing you are, which is I, I want people that understand that podcasting is a media outlet to get attention and convert people into different sorts of beliefs. 
whether that leads them to sign up for a software or leads them to sign up for a $3,000 workshop and fly halfway across the country, that I care less about. But I do need to understand what the end goal is. And I want to know that the podcast can accomplish that goal with maybe just a few hundred downloads per episode. Because for a lot of new podcasts, especially with all the competition that's out there in certain niches, that might be all they need. That might be all they ever get. Um, you know, there's other niches where, you know, they're, they're bigger. Um, but yeah, I mean, when it, when it comes to uh, people like being willing to do what it takes to actually build a show that builds a massive audience, most people don't have what it takes. And you can't predict whether you're going to have a super successful show just because you decide you're going to build one. Even that, they, there's just no guarantee that it's going to take off in popularity. It's, you know, both of us have a musician background. So I look at it very similar and like, let's go build our cult following first. Mm-hmm. And then yeah, the if, thousand true fans. Yes, the thing exactly. Yeah, exactly. And so that that's what I'm trying to get everybody to to sign up. Like when they sign up with the podcast, that's the mentality I'm trying to get them to have is to create something that a thousand people will absolutely flip out over and love. Let's find that cult following first before we try to like break into the mainstream. And I don't know about you, but one of the biggest problems I have with ideal like even with ideal clients when they first sign up is breaking that mentality, which is how how can I get the biggest number of downloads possible as quickly as possible? Mm-hmm. It's think, like, well, that's, you're asking the wrong question. Yeah. I think you can address that like in two ways where on one hand um, it's, it's not so much the, I need a bazillion downloads right away, but it's sort of what I found because we do work with marketing teams more often. You have to reteach them how to think of analytics where we're very used to like a traditional marketer is used to in a world of like, I can put out an, a Google ad, and I can pay a dollar for that ad. And I know because of the way that I've tweaked this, I'm going to get $3 in return or whatever that mm-hmm. ratio is. And it's usually instantaneous results and things like that, where yeah. again, with the podcast space, you need a runway. Like you're going to need some time to cultivate this thing and see if it even works. And mm-hmm. to your point about like expectations, I can give you a couple of like practical examples for your listeners where we had one company, their primary goal with the service that they offered, it was a very niche thing in the healthcare space. And their service scared away the target audience because they were working with an AI and doing some different things. And the target audience often thought that the thing, the tool they were offering was going to steal their jobs instead of enhance their jobs. Mm-hmm. So we made this series, spent 10 episodes or so, um, really breaking down, talking to the people that were already using the product, those kinds of things got in my opinion, on the lower side of the numbers where we only had maybe 900 or a thousand, like we're talking about listens. But the show, the whole company viewed it as a huge success because they were able to utilize it on sales calls. They were able to utilize it on new trainees for people entering the company in terms of like, this is what our client thinks and those types of things. We're on the flip side, similar to what you're saying of if you're, that's, that's again, like one very particular goal. On the other end, if your goal is to get more of like, we need to share an idea broadly. Like we need to get some sort of cultural move. We're working with um, a former secretary of defense and his organization very much geared towards raising awareness of the threat of nuclear issues. Mm. And that is a a full blown narrative style show. It's been custom, like everything, custom music, custom sound design. They have access to a ton of just amazing people where we've already interviewed like former presidents and Nobel peace prize winners and scientists and like, Hiroshima survivors and and different things. And so it's just a wild, wild story, completely different like set of things to do to get there in that Mm -hmm. show. I mean, right now I think we just, we broke 
probably, I mean, we're getting easily like close to 10,000 downloads an episode. I think we've recently broke like the 50,000 download mark. And for them, it's working for what they need. And so you can see like drastically different paths to get there, drastically different outcomes, but both shows in their own right are complete successes because of the goals that we set out with to begin with. And so that's what the person on the end of considering like, Hey, I might want a podcast. That's what you need to be thinking about of what do you need to accomplish? And there's different means to get there. Yeah, hundred percent agreed. And it's funny that you bring up like there's just the different formats. Is there anything that you're seeing just kind of ascend or get a little bit more popular uh, in terms of the types of formats? When you say format, do you mean the way that we're listening or do you mean the style of the show? Style of the show. Um, there's, if anything, I would say, I just see more, I see more creativity in the space, which is fun, where I think most of us, the general public still just de facto's to a one-on-one interview or a couple people, couple people type interview. But we've seen all kinds of crazy stuff. Like, like I mentioned to you, we focus in on three different ones, depending on the goal. One would be that either solo-esque show or interview type show. On the other end of the spectrum is that full-blown, like this is all custom story-driven, like you're watching basically a sitcom in audio format. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then there's a middle ground. There's a middle ground where you want it to be, you need it to be more dynamic than just a one-on-one interview. You want it to be more interesting, but you don't quite have the resources or the budget to handle the full blown. And so it's sort of this hybrid. Those are the three that we play in. But outside mm-hmm. of that, I mean, there's so much going on. Like with, uh, it wasn't too long ago. It's a little older now. It's probably like nine or 12 months where Gimlet Media put out that one. It was specifically made for Alexa or like the Amazon Echo. Mm-hmm. And it was for kids to brush their teeth. And they were all like minute long episodes that these kids would listen to these story characters and stuff. And they were just supposed to listen while they brushed their teeth and they were releasing in the morning and at night. Smart. And it's like, that's just like one, it was like an, or it was sponsored by Oral B. I think <laughs> um, I forget the name of it now it's eluding me, but there's like yeah. just stuff like that. Like people are getting really like any, on one hand, there's the business side of this, but on the other hand, there's that creative side and creator and artist um, part to this too. And like any mm-hmm. medium that we can, create art or music or um, painting or anything. And like you get a lot of expression. And so I think we're, we're at a point where we're starting to see that more. And so I think that's probably, it's not very prevalent, but for people who are very much in the podcast space, they start to see this more often of people experimenting and trying to have fun. And then as technology changes and the hardware and things and the way that we consume changes, it opens up a lot of possibility there too. Yeah. Yeah. That's um I, I've seen some interesting things, but that that's the thing that I've probably kept my eye on the most is the Amazon Alexa stuff, which is, you know, because it's a different format. It's a competing, I, I would say potentially a competing format. Um, I haven't seen a lot of like stuff in the business world work real well in that format quite yet. People have tinkered, but yeah, it's hard to do anything that isn't super, super tactical in in an Alexa briefing kind of a format. And like most of my clients play around more in the strategic space. You know, they're not just selling tactics, they're selling business coaching, they're selling business consulting. And so most of what they're talking about is more on a strategic level. Well, it takes more than a minute to really get a strategic concept across. Um, But I have seen like one of my buddies, um, he was hosting a long, is, he hosts a long form interview podcast and has for several years. And then he ended up launching a newer podcast where it's more 10 minute strategy episodes. It's called Lockhead on Marketing. And it's doing really, really well. Um, but he basically take, you know, takes 
um, kind of piggybacks off of his interview episodes and it'll bring up certain topics and he'll go over and just record 10 minutes stream of consciousness about that one topic. It has a completely different feed, mm-hmm. you know, but that's all it is. It's, it's nothing but strategy and it's, all, it's only in bite-sized chunks that people can handle. So I started doing that with mine and that seemed to work pretty well because that's because rather than mixing solo episodes with interviews like all on the same feed, I like that's that's one of the things that I see might potentially start to happen is you start to see things split out into multiple different feeds so that each individual feed is exactly what you want rather than this mishmash of everything we had laying around that can be turned into audio. Um, there's a, there's a company called Drift um, that you might be keeping an eye on too that seems to be doing pretty well with their podcasting strategy. And that's kind of how they've got it is they've got, I think, five different shows running right now. Each one is hosted by a different person inside the organization, has a different focus. So they have like a podcast for COOs that's hosted by their COO. They've got a podcast for you know founders that's hosted by their partners or whatever. Um, so I'm seeing more of that you know, more like multiple feed type of podcasting so that each feed gets really granular and, and delivers like the same thing every time. But then it gives you that that freedom of expression to kind of tinker with other formats. Yeah, 100%. Uh-huh. It's a, the whole networking mentality. Um, we, we have a client right now where we basically are, we're launching the pilot, like premiere episode of their, it's, it's a business framework and it's not out yet. So I don't want to get, in, get into it too much, but there's some other people who have, on their own independently because they, they utilize it, have their own podcast about it. And then there's hopes of creating a few more. And so basically having a network that's all under this company's umbrella. Mm-hmm. And even for us, going back to what we were talking about, we've at our, at our peak internally, we're running three where I have my personal show. And that's the one, I don't know, by the, by the time this airs, like you're going to end up guesting on my show as well. Mm-hmm. I'm interviewing individuals. It's more long format honestly, a lot of it is that networking piece and, yeah. and it's an opportunity to be able to really tease out ideas with others. We have another one that's of that caliber of what you're saying, that 10 minute esque type of a thing where we're going to be rebranding that and bringing it directly into the company where I was using it as like sort of a secondary third party type lead gen type of a, a piece of content more or less on podcasting. And it's because mm-hmm. like you already know, we get questions all the time and most yeah. of the time they're the same. Yeah. And so I would spend eight minutes or less on every episode answering a particular question. Yep. Um, and then people would just burn through that and all, all of that. And so, like I said, we'll be bringing that into the company. And we had one other one we actually did already play in the Alexa space. And that one was creative marketing brief. My goal was to hit a year, but once COVID, once COVID hit at the beginning of this year, like at this time of this recording, we're like quarter three, quarter four of the year Mm -hmm. in 2020. And it got kind of wild there. And so I had to like prioritize the company and our clients and some of the other things. And so we got like 230 episodes in and those were daily 90 second or less. And I was very intentional about, we knew our target market was um, the, the marketers. And so we were putting out content that would have been relevant to marketers. And I was inviting other marketers to share their 90 second tidbits. We could link back to shows, do different things like that. And we ran that. And like I said, it ran its course. I wasn't super happy with the outcome. And so we ended up kiboshing it. It's still out there. Like you could still go back and listen to the backlog of it. I haven't completely killed it yet, but we've, we've played in each one of those. And so, I mean, at one point we were running three at a time and and since then, like I said, I've, I've been refocusing more on just like tripling down really on our primary company and making sure that every decision that we make supports come alive, like a, my, my primary company. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but there's definitely, 
there's there's a lot like there's just a lot of options at the end of the day is what I think it really it is. is whether that's the networks or whether it's tackling a specific medium or platform or whatever it is you want to do like you you have options yeah what's your opinion on podcast networks um I don't have a formal one to be honest they seem to work I think they can one of the things probably the one thing that I do know and I would say is they have an unfair advantage when it comes to leveraging each other. And, and what I mean by that is if you have a network, you have instantaneous access to several different shows. And if you're on the promotion side of podcasting, most of us know that cross promotion works incredibly well when you're marketing to an existing listening audience. Like to, to back up a second from the promotion side, you have to look at it in two ways. There's the people who are already listening and there's the people who are not listening. And you market to those different kinds of people, those groups of people in different ways. For the people who are already listening, if you're listening to a show, there's like so many true crime shows right now. I just use that as an example. So if you're a true crime fan and you got true crime A and then show true crime B and they cross promote on each other's show, you're very likely going to have people come over to one show and go to the other to listen. And so if you have a network, you have way less like hoops you have to jump through because if you have similar shows on the network, you can be cross promoting all day. And it gives you this like, insider trading almost of getting your name out there within the network itself. And so they support themselves very, very well if they're done strategically. Now, again, if we go back to our earlier examples, like if one shows the toothbrush show and another one's business insider, probably not going to correlate as well, but yeah, but it's those kinds of things. Yeah. I've, I've always looked at, at podcast networks, you know, very much the same way I look at record labels, which is the record label business model doesn't work outside of the hits. Like you have to have the hits, you have to have the breakout bands, the artist that makes it big. And then that offsets all the cost of all the other artists that don't end up making it big. And so when you step back, like if you were to run a record label for no other reason than pure business profit, like you'd probably be insane because they're, they're just not, you know, on, on the whole, they're not great businesses to run. And so I always looked at podcast networks that way. I still do. I think you can do it right. I think that the, if you have really a really good narrow focus, if you if the podcast network itself is really well niched down, I think it creates exactly what you talked about, which is that a really great opportunity for like frictionless cross promotion. Mm -hmm. um, one of the things that we, we don't get into a, a very much on our podcast is advertising for outside things on our client shows. For the most part, our clients are their brand they're selling coaching consulting speaking training books stuff like that so their their mid-roll commercials their calls to action are for their stuff because that's where the the biggest roi for them lives we have a few clients who've delved into you know big brand sponsorships and stuff like that and they've ended up stopping you know it brings in a couple thousand whatever it brings in but it wasn't enough to make it worth like it offset their own sales and so that, that is one thing that we haven't, like I, I could have a, a podcast network, quote unquote, especially in a couple of the spaces that we play in that are similar to where all the guests would be good for each other and all the hosts that have similar audiences. But that, you know, it, at the end of the day, you have to weigh that against they're losing a call to action for their own stuff, for their event, for their book, for their consulting. And so, yeah, I just, I haven't found a lot of opportunities where for the client who runs the show, it's better for them to send their traffic elsewhere 
unless it's, you know, like you'd have to find two podcasts that have really good similar audiences and it's worth them to cross promote each other because they're similar in size. There's just, there's, there's, yeah, there's a lot of hoops to jump through unless you run a network where the goal is monetizing uh, subscribers with sponsorships. Now, if that's, if that's the case, it's like all bets are off. That changes the whole game. But yeah, for yeah. me and, and for you, where they get their biggest ROI from promoting their own stuff, that yeah, that to me, it kind of wipes out the, a lot of the, va- the potential value of being part of a quote unquote network. Yeah, it all goes back to like victory condition or goal. Mm-hmm. Like you're saying, you take a model, like you look at a company like Gimlet and their model was based on ad revenue for mm-hmm. a long time before, I mean, Spotify's come in and acquired them and whatnot since then. But they basically just had to make hella good shows. Sometimes the shows would overlap, sometimes they wouldn't. But as long as the shows were super popular and pulling their weight, then you could leverage into that. And then it's just a matter of like, then you're negotiating to these outside entities or these outside companies of like, okay, which one of our super popular shows do you want in on? Right. But once you change the victory condition to like, we need to promote ourselves, obviously the primary driver should be your own courses, books, training, whatever it is. Mm-hmm. And then even though secondary, like a, maybe a worst type, case type scenario is finding companies that actually like that would legitimately help your listener right. or that you're already utilizing where we had a situation like that, where one of our clients does um, search within the real estate space and we were able to help them negotiate. We had, he's sort of, he's since um, gotten away from this model because it just, wasn't his favorite, but we did spend like two seasons basically negotiating with another company that extremely very much believed in his views and what he was promoting and the way that he was supporting the industry as a whole. It aligned with their vision and what they were trying to accomplish. And so it made sense for both my client and this other company to team up and they supported each other well, where all of a sudden he got access to their network. They were being associated with this podcast that was looked on very highly in the space anyways. Mm -hmm. And so that made sense. And I've done similar where, say for example, like once you get into the equipment space, like CloudLifter is a really popular, um, basically like preempt device for, for microphones. And it was something that I was personally using and I was personally handing it out or recommending it to my clients if they needed specific pieces of equipment. Mm-hmm. And I struck up a deal with the owner of the company for um, the one show that I was talking about, Podcast Bites, where I was literally just answering those baseline questions that completely made sense for me to yeah. promote them because I liked them and I wanted to and I use them all the time anyways. And it was a direct help for the people listening to that show because those people were trying to figure out how to podcast. So those made sense and it wasn't a conflict. But as soon as you get into the more like, okay, listen, I got, I have a thousand episodes or a thousand downloads per episode. So that means I'm going to get a $50 per mid roll thing and me undies is going to come in and promote on my show. It's like, I'm sorry, but my podcast listeners don't need your underwear. Like it just doesn't make sense. To do that. That's where the conflict starts yeah, to come in. Yeah, agreed. Yeah, exactly. And though, and those are where they do care about like the 25 or 50 CPM, like the, you know, like they want to make sure you're on standard and all this stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, if you're working with a sponsor where there's just such a match between their super niche product and your super niche audience that disconnects you from the limitations of like a standard ad model. Um, I know for my real estate podcast, we've tinkered with sponsorships over the years and we were able to get, you know, a grand 1500 a month, two, two grand a month, whatever, um, out of specific companies. 
because they recognize that, oh, you guys have a very, like, this is not just a show that reaches a whole bunch of business people. This is a extremely niche down audience that's looking for certain things and our product is perfect for them and, and let's try it. Um, but even those, of course, they don't, you know, like sponsorship agreements are never, they're never long-term. The only question is how not long-term are they? Yeah. yeah you know, and you usually break it out into a season or whatever it is. Yeah. You get like, I don't know, 10, 20-ish episodes or something, and then you reevaluate at that yeah. point. So it's a good idea. Pretty, pretty common. So final question for you. Um, I, I feel like right now podcasting is kind of like a redheaded stepchild to Apple. It feels like, you know, like I bounce back and forth between using the Apple podcast app and Spotify. Cause right now Spotify seems to have a better interface. Um, and I want to, I want to keep, keep tabs on what's going on there. Um, there's, there's some things that I would love to see Apple improve. I'm curious what you would like to see, uh, if you had your way. Oh, I, I don't have any qualms to be honest. Really? I think it's just, I, yeah, I think it's just okay. fun to watch. Um, I, <laughs> okay. I spend significantly more time producing these things than I do consuming. Like I've worked at oh, home yeah. for the past six years and my primary way to consume podcasts, like I listened all the time when I was driving and yeah. now that I barely drive, I'm like, uh, I, I just don't listen to them as much. Like I listen to specific ones that my team points out for inspiration. Yeah. So when it comes to the platforms, I think it's just, I almost take more of a positive look, I guess, because I think accessibility, it's just getting easier to do things. Like when you look across the board, when tons of ad revenue is flowing in. And so it's like, mm -hmm. people are paying attention for that reason. Mm -hmm. You get these huge acquisitions, like, like I mentioned earlier with Spotify picking up Anchor and picking up Gimlet and these different companies and these other companies like uh, Simplecast just got picked up by a major ad company not too long ago and some other stuff. And so you get these big acquisitions where it's like, okay, that's pretty cool. Mm -hmm. You get these crossovers where you have these podcasts that are getting turned into like Netflix adaptations or HBO that's adaptations. True. That's super fun to watch. And then you get all these platforms that are competing with each other where Spotify is like, all right, we're going to take down the juggernaut of Apple. Like Apple's been doing this since the beginning. And like you said, they've kind of just wrote it out. And then even this year, like this kind of last year, but more, it's been more this year where, where they're getting rid of uh, say Google play and just kicking over to Google podcasts and like the Google podcast manager, like Google's really entering into the space. And I mean, so you got big players vying for attention. Stitchers like double down on their game in terms of what they're trying to do. Overcast is, is doing a great job. You get these media hosts, like even Transistor coming up in the ranks and Megaphone is killing it on the more of the corporate end. And there's a lot happening. And so I could, like I could get mad at Apple for being <laughs> Apple, but I just, I think it's more fun to watch and even equipment, like equipment's getting cheaper and That's easier true. to use. And so people can record and it gives more people access to it. It's like between making it or listening to it. And to me, that's, that's just fun. Like, it's just fun. And then to already be here and like be producing and feel good about what we're doing. I'm like, this is exciting. Like I, I it's a, it's a fun time to be a podcaster. Yeah, it definitely is. Um, what's interesting. So the niche that I play in, most of those things don't affect us, which is interesting, right? Um, there, there's a few things and like overcast getting a little bit better, maybe Stitcher doubling down on what they're doing, uh, making the user experience on the apps a little bit better. Those things affect us, but, uh, yeah, like the, um, we don't play in any of those spaces where the rest of that stuff, you know, like Gimlet getting bought out, 
anchor getting bought out like none of my clients use anchor bar- barely know what it is like they don't they're like the the thought yeah, of they, getting they one of my clients to. <laughs> to record their own podcast into their phone is yeah you'd never get one yeah of them i just i just think it's fun enough, i didn't say i use them yeah no it's just interesting because it's um yeah i, I see i see other companies making moves and it's going to be interesting to see how long apple lets that go on before they decide to th- start throwing their weight around and go, you know, if everybody else is going to monetize this, how about we figure out how to monetize this? And then maybe some things yeah. start to change, whether it's dynamic ad insertion and some, I'm, I'm not a big fan of that. I wouldn't, I wouldn't want that necessarily happening with my client's podcast for reasons we talked about earlier, mm-hmm. but it is interesting that they've essentially let that, they've seeded that ground to companies like Spotify that are clearly making a run at them. Mm-hmm. And at least for now, Apple seems content to sit back and let them take a run at them. Um, and and I don't know that it's been super effective. I mean, from from the stats that I've seen, Spotify still has no more than a, like a ten percent share of the downloads on any any one podcast. Yeah, I mean, a- Apple's the dominant player, even despite what people are saying for sure. I think mm-hmm. the to to your point that that gets into a conversation we probably don't have time to now because of just the nature of how the RSS feed works and how it is very much open source and i think with that there's really big pros and then also really big cons and so once you like the thing that i look at and why i appreciate it being open still is mm-hmm. when you start looking at it from a if you you look at crossover to another medium where we look at something like video podcast or not podcast Podcasts are just open. Like you can, you can interact with it however you want to. This feed exists, this audio exists, and you mm-hmm. choose the method to, that best fits you. And so I love the fact that it's a very user-centric medium. Where you start looking at video, if you try to post a YouTube video on LinkedIn or on Facebook, Facebook is going to prioritize its own innate videos. Mm-hmm. LinkedIn will do the same thing, prioritize its own innate videos. And so then as a user and a consumer, you're telling me I got to make the same stupid video or upload it to each individual platform. Like that's idiotic. I don't, I don't want to do that. I don't have the time for that. Mm-hmm. And so that's where I think podcasting wins over these other things. And so it makes me like, I get it. I get it from a business sense, but that would be one thing that makes me kind of sad is when you get this sort of like propi- proprietary ownership over, you can only have this feed. Like when, uh, what was it? Luminary came out and it was saying like, you can get Netflix style subscriptions of podcasts and the, like the whole podcast space was like, no, like we don't <laughs> want to do that. That's a bad life choice. Um, so, so that's interesting. The other thing to, to spin it a little bit, and I don't know if you've seen much about this, but my, my son's a huge Fortnite fan. I have a, a teenage boy yeah. and like Epic games was gunning for Apple with this most recent lawsuit that they yeah. have because Apple, Apple has a very clear strategy around the store and not allowing anybody to do like microtransactions without taking a cut off the top. And so this is, okay. this is probably the thing on Apple that I've been paying attention to more so where it's like they've just locked that down and now they're getting some other big players, not in the Apple space, but just like in the app space and in the gaming space and even like Basecamp getting ticked off and like all these other people, they're starting to challenge some of these precedents that are set forth. And so that's, hmm. again, not exactly on point to what we're talking about, but that's been some of the stuff I've been watching because it's, it's very fun to see big companies just duke it out and to see like, what are the, what are the results? Like this, this, give me the pop, it's like the popcorn gif 
<laughs> or whatever. The <laughs> oh, for Jim, with like, John Stewart, yeah. Yeah, yeah, either that or like a Michael Jackson or whatever, just chilling yeah. back and it's like, I'm going to watch this play out. This <laughs> oh, that's right, I like that. Uh, that was from, uh, was that from the Thriller video? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I love that, I love that, Jeff. Okay, well, we could talk all day about podcasting, but where do people go, especially if they're in your target market? Give us an idea of like the, the industries or the spaces that you play in. So if people are listening and they know of somebody in that space, they can send you a referral. Yeah, we, we work most at this point, at the time of this recording, we're working primarily with marketing teams and businesses. It's sort of just where we've settled in. Um, it, we typically, it's like a CMO, head of content, um, so, someone in that caliber that knows that podcasting would be a good fit for their company, but they're not sure how to get started mm. and more than likely do not have the bandwidth within their team to do it. That's our yeah. ideal client and who we can support the best. Um, if you're just looking to learn, like if this is something that interests you, um, so, so for those people, comealivecreative.com is our primary website. That's where all, all the major stuff is being run through. And if you're just trying to learn in general, my personal site is a good place to go. I write a lot about my thoughts and um, things on the space. I'm updating my equipment article and it's more like low key kind of DIY individuals just trying to figure it out. And that's just jefflarge.com. So those, those would be the two places I would send people depending on what you need. Got it. Very cool. Awesome, man. Well, I appreciate it. Thanks so much. And uh, hopefully we'll see some, uh, some really interesting stuff over the next five or 10 years of kicking around the same space. Yeah. Looking forward to it. Thanks for listening to the Micro Famous Podcast. If you're ready to become famously influential to the right people, connect with us at getmicrofamous.com. It's the best way to take the next step to implementing the Micro Famous strategy in your business so you can attract an audience, build influence, and become the Micro Famous leader you're meant to be. And we'll see you on the next episode.